Today we're joined by Matthew Stewart, co-founder of Stewart & Lau. Excited to have you on the podcast and learn a little bit more about yourself. Thanks, John. Good to be with you guys. Happy Friday. Oh, yes. Happy Friday. So uh, I've talked about your bags on my channel. I've been using it for seven or eight months, really into the bags. But I really don't know much about the inception of the company other than you know the combination. I think it was Hong Kong and New York. So um, mm -hmm. maybe we can start with you and, and where you're from, and then we'll learn a little bit more there. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I'm from I'm from Baltimore originally, um, but now I uh, spend my time up here in New York. Uh, but as you mentioned, you know there is a, a a component of our brand history that comes from Asia, and so I was out in Shanghai for for quite a while, and then Hong Kong subsequently after. Uh, my co-founder Jimmy is originally from Hong Kong and um, moved to New York when he was little, but also has you know roots in in Hong Kong and spent a bunch of time out there, and. So for us, it's sort of, we have kind of feet in, in, in both places. And that's been a big part of uh, the brand's sort of, you know, DNA and, and how we got started and continues to be a part of um, our messaging and what we do. So what took you out to Hong Kong? Uh, it was, you know, shortly after college. Um, so it was 2000, well, sorry, no, uh, Shanghai um, was shortly after college. And I worked out a while. Um, Hong Kong uh, with Ralph Lauren working on their business development side and uh, sort of look at their store openings and help them, um, you know, do that side of the business. Um, so it was right after my MBA and um, I had been out in Shanghai for a little while and was kind of comfortable with the region and thought it'd be an interesting opportunity. So, uh, yeah. And that was kind of my, my first, uh, you know, foray or my, my entry into sort of the world of fashion and style. I see. So you're like a fashion veteran at this point. <laughs> um, you do learn a lot. I, I, I would say, you know, there, I, I always give a lot of credit to Ralph Lauren as an organization, as a brand, um, to the effect that, you know, so many, um, so many great people are there and you learn so much and there's so much attention, you know, to detail and attention to how the story is told. And it, it's a great place to work and sort of you know, dive in and learn things. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of ways it is kind of like, you know, doing an MBA for, for, for fashion and style um, and retail because they do so many things very, very well. So now did you – you had already been in Shanghai or you went to Shanghai while working for Ralph Lauren? Yeah, so yeah, – sorry if that got a little confused there. I went out to Shanghai just after college. Um, it was, you know, 2006 and China was kind of, you know, booming and things were – there's a lot going on. It was just kind of going to be um, – a short-term internship and I was just going to kind of see it, um, before maybe moving back to, you know, moving to New York, um, to pursue a career here, but just really, you know, fell in love with it. Um, it was just such a dynamic place, so much energy. Um, so I, I, you know, opted to stay and found a job in, in real estate and sort of consulting, helping, um, companies come into China and get set up and sort of navigate the landscape of, of, yeah, of, of bringing their operations to China. And so I did that for about five years. Were you always interested in, in fashion, even like in college or as a younger guy? You know, I was. Um, yeah. It, it, I think I didn't really ever perceive it as something I would pursue as a career. Um, uh, you know, it just kind of didn't strike me as that was, uh, yeah, just something I would do. But it was always something that interested me. It was something I always was, you know, attentive to. And um, my, you know, my mother was in, in fashion and a designer. 
Um, so I, I guess some of it came from that. Um, but it just kind of was something, yeah, you know, growing up that I, I was a little bit more focused on maybe than others. And, uh, you know, I can speak for Jimmy. I think he was uh, very much of the same mind. And, and so as we got to know each other, that was a natural point of connection. So you, you were in uh, Shanghai for five years and then you came back for the NBA? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was five years out there. And then, um, you know, that was, it's a long time to, to be abroad and be away from family and friends. And um, I was just kind of looking for what the next steps would be in my career. And uh, an MBA was a logical, you know, uh, kind of transition and to, to, to take that time to figure that out. And uh, so I came back here to New York to do that. And then, um, yeah, and then the next chapter was Hong Kong. Nice. At what point were, did, did the idea come about to uh, start a men's accessories company? Yeah, so, you know, very much a classic case of just for want of a, of a better product. Um, Jimmy and myself were at this point um, living in different cities, um, you know, uh, maybe I, I didn't kind of cover how we got to know each other. We know each other from um, Shanghai. We both, you know, when I first moved out there, was one of the first people I met, and we just remained good friends ever since. Um, he subsequently moved back to New York, and I, you know, as we just covered, moved down to Hong Kong. And But we stayed connected, and on my trips back to New York, um, we'd always kind of just, you know, chat about what we were looking for um, in respect to products, and both of us had similar complaints um, about what we saw out there and didn't feel like anything really spoke to what we needed. Um, you know, at the time, you know, kind of four or five years ago, a little more, maybe six years ago, um, we, we had noticed or we were somewhat frustrated that uh, there was much more focus on, um, yeah, like the, the sort of the leather or sort of the craftsmanship or, you know, made in Italy, made in America, whatever. And I think all of those things are, are really great. But we didn't feel like there was somebody starting from the proposition of kind of like, how can we take a timeless, very versatile, very classic design and really, you know, inject a lot of functionality into it and um, focus on how it can be lighter, how it can be more efficient and um, just sort of make your commute or make your daily travels that much easier. And so we, you know, we dove in and... Um, it really, really was just meant to be a sort of passion project um, that we were going to do on the side and have fun with. And, you know, it just kind of one thing led to another. It snowballed. And we really, throughout the process, uh, realized how much we enjoyed it. And, you know, within a year, we both left full-time jobs to, you know, pursue it full-time. Um, what was that transition like, the, leaving the full-time job? Was it like, did you raise money or did you, was it kind of a leap? It, it, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, we, we did, we did not raise money and, and have not to date. Um, so we keep things very, very lean, um, and try to be very, you know, cautious with how we spend our capital. Um, it, it was, yeah, it was a big transition to leave sort of the nine to five and jump into this very kind of flexible ad hoc, um, world of just problems kind of come at you and, you just kind of are figuring out how to solve them. Um, but it's enjoyable, you know, I mean, it's, it's fun to kind of know that the thing you're doing today is 
important because it has to, you have to do it. You know, it's not, you're doing, you're not doing it for somebody else. You're not doing it just because it's going to be in some report tomorrow. You know, it's, it's a problem that, that needs addressing. Um, and so I think as just, yeah, one thing I've learned over the few years doing this is that as much as it isn't fun, it, it still somehow is more enjoyable to be doing it for yourself. Yeah, totally. How, how is the development process though? Did you do that before you had made the jump or did you jump and then start product development? Um, we, yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of laughing here cause I don't know how much I, I should share considering some of it might be, was done on sort of Ralph Lauren's dime, but, um, <laughs> yeah, we were, we were working on it while, um, we were still at our jobs. Um, and so we had a sense of kind of, we were, we were ready and prepared to make the leap to the effect that we had already, um, launched some, some kind of beta tester bags and some soft launch bags, um, into the market and, uh, felt confident that, you know, we weren't just making a blind leap. That's good. Nice. And so at that point you, you make the jump when you're like setting up e-commerce shops and, and you're ready to go public. Uh, sorry to go public. <laughs> no, to like launch the brand and, and get it out. Oh there. yeah. 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 It's like, cool. Uh, IPO. Uh, we might be a little ways away from yeah, that. Big, big step. <laughs> no, big, that's a, bring, that's a, bring that's the a world to your project. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we, we, you know, kind of got all of our, you know, ducks in a row and, and lined everything up and felt that we were ready. Um, we launched the, the e-commerce site and shortly after, yeah, we left our jobs. Um, you know, it's, it's a bit of, you also kind of have to, um, cause we wanted to pursue it to the fullest and um you know you can't kind of do that while you have a day job how'd you get the word out when you first started it really friends and family um friends family and and just really kind of started there um as i mentioned we had a soft launch that was sort of the beta beta tester bags and um that was sort of our first four or five six months of existence um you know working through the kinks and learning our lessons, um, as you do, um, and, uh, getting a lot of feedback from them. Um, and it was only sort of a year later that we really kind of felt confident to really pursue things, you know, more aggressively in terms of, uh, in terms of PR, in terms of marketing, in terms of all those things. Well, so when you first started with, with all those, all those things, like, you know, the actual, you know, spending money on marketing, was there anything that worked really well at the beginning and anything that, totally bombed and then has that like changed since you've grown yeah yeah um yeah a lot a lot of different different lessons learned i think in respect to that we um worked with the pr agency kind of right out of the gate um to to do our formal launch that i mentioned kind of happened a year after we did our soft launch and they were great. They're fantastic. And they continue to be the people we work with and we've been in great hands ever since. Um, so we consider that a big success. And, um, you know, I think that was just sort of a function of, um, how things have been done for a long time and following a model that, uh, was out there, um, in respect to, um, the men's space being very driven by, you know, what the magazines, what the sort of gear roundup, um, you know, I think, you know, now we kind of call them listicles and, uh, you know, 12 best bags or whatever, like that, that kind of stuff was very dominant at the time, um, continues to still be important. Um, but that was certainly, you know, successful for us, 
um, when we launched. Um, I think where we've struggled um, a little bit is uh, finding, you know, influencers or, or people to work with on that front, uh, with the exception of present company uh, included, um, that that have been effective for us. Um, that was something we tried a little bit early on, and uh, it was it was tough. Um, you know, we were kind of throwing things, you know, into the void and didn't didn't see a whole lot of return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, like the idea of influencer marketing is such a big umbrella, and like the vast majority of brands that are doing it right now, like actually don't either don't know how to measure it or like aren't measuring it, and it's it seems like they're. Like, like on the other side of things, as you know, a quote unquote influ- influencer, I can always tell how much a brand measures by just what they ask in that first email. You know, like if they give you a tracking link, if they give you a code, if they actually follow up and ask for numbers. And most brands don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it seems like it's kind of kind of hit or miss. And I don't know. You really have to. The brands that seem to be winning with influencer marketing are like putting like a ton of effort. Like that's like one of their main channels, and they're really like taking like a shotgun approach, you know? Yeah. 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 I, I agree. I think you have to really kind of dive in and, and do it or maybe retract and, and not try. Um, it's, it's right. somewhat binary in that respect. And, and to be frank, when we started, it was just, you know, kind of, it was just getting going. Um, and a lot of the people around then are, are not kind of around now anymore. Um, cause it was just a different model and it was, you know, kind of just throwing stuff up on Instagram, um, posting and kind of just then hoping that people would see it and, um, then navigate their way to, you know, to your website at some point, but it was very hard to track and it's very nebulous. Um, so we, we learned some lessons on that front and, um, you know, it is good to see now that I think it is very, you know, much easier to track much more, um, sort of numbers driven. And so we're, we're, you know, kind of getting back into it. I'm pretty sure your illustrations are done by Andrew Mashinoff, right? They are. They are. When, and when did you get connected I with think him? I, I, I think I saw one in your video. Is I that did right? Buy, I, I did buy his James Bond print. I found him on Instagram at some point, and then I bought the James Bond print, and I replaced the old breakfast poster I used to have. <laughs> no, he's, yeah, I, I saw that. I, I had a chuckle when I saw that. Um, he is he's amazing, and we're you know so grateful for you know working with him all really since the beginning. Um, Jimmy was a, a huge fan of his way back in like the Tumblr days, and um, we always we we just liked sort of the illustrative uh, component uh, of marketing and, and using illustrations to tell the story. We thought it was. Just you know, a little different and and um, and fun and playful um, and a way to not take you know not not take yourself too seriously through sort of the more whimsical component of illustrations and so we were looking for somebody and Jimmy's like you know I, I Andrew you know I, I've been following him for a long time and we reached out and yeah I've been working with him for now almost five years yeah I love those I, and uh, I remember when I made like connected the dots I was like yeah oh, that's really cool so. That's, yeah, Tumblr. That's classic. Come yeah, back to the, yeah. the web blogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's fun to go back and see how his um, his style has evolved, and um, he just he's he's incredible. So, at what point? I for me, the main way I learned about you was through the wire cutter picking you as the best bag. Was that done through some of the PR efforts? And it was just like you know you happen to have the the right connections in order to uh, get them to pay attention. 
because there, there's some pretty big brands in that in their consideration too. I, you know, to be honest, um, they reached out and we we, you know, I met Daniel in a cafe and gave him a bag and talked him through what what we you know what we had been doing and what we loved about it and why we thought it was special. Um, it it wasn't any more complex than that. Um, uh, yeah, and we've been yeah, it's been amazing um, to get their support. Yeah, Wirecutter for me is like gold standard. I've I've uh, been a fan of theirs for a, a very long time, but that's very cool. And so as you're going through now, like I know you just redid your line. Like, what are some of the challenges you've had now that you've gotten off the ground? Yeah, um, yeah, there are always challenges. Um, we've we've had challenges certainly in terms of um, keeping up with demand on the fulfillment side, and you know last fall we had uh you know a big spike in demand and we were just trying to keep up with it all and so we we're in a pre-order situation and um just as these things go you know um stuff gets held in customs or stuff gets delayed uh zippers don't arrive at the factory and you know there's a lot of stuff that you can't control and you know, frankly we were too optimistic in that sense and don't didn't build in a, a buffer um so there were people who were like, you know, waiting and, and we really appreciated their patience, but, um, that was something, uh, we, we learned a lesson on. Um, I think just in general, when, you know, as more orders come through and as more people have, you know, questions and more people have, have, you know, start touching the site, um, we're just kind of frankly, like overwhelmed in respect to customer questions. Um, and it's great because, you know, men are super passionate about this, this product category and their briefcase and, you know, it's right up there with like buying a car, apparently, in terms of how much they, you know, put thought into this. And so for us to try to field all those questions, it's it's been a lot. It's been overwhelming um, in the past couple of months. And we're, you know, looking to figure out solutions on that front without, frankly, without, you know, kind of hiring um, someone full time to do that, because I'm not sure we want to. I, I think it's still important for our team to be the ones fielding those questions. Um, I still, you know, I still dive in there and field, um, you know, my share of the questions, um, so that we get that exposure to what the, you know, what the customer is asking, what they want. Um, cause it, you know, has, you know, impact on so many other components of, of the business and particularly sort of the, the website design or the marketing or, um, you know, what questions we're leaving unanswered that we can maybe, you know, um, cover off on, on the website and stuff like that. Um, so that's been a big one, um, and something that it continues to be, um, something we're working through. Nice. Yeah. It's, it seems a little tough because you can't really tell, you know, what, I guess a lot of people that have a problem with their website or maybe there's something confusing with the user experience. They don't actually ask a question, you know? So if you get the same question more than once, there's probably a bunch of people having that same problem. Yeah. 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 I mean, just, you know, we, we just launched the three different sizes of the briefcase and, you know, super excited about that. We think it's, you know, it's great. We got these, you know, sort of something for everybody. And we were just overwhelmed at how many questions that, that then, you know, fosters and you know, people are like, well, it's, you know, okay, which one should I choose? You know, I, I carry this every day and, you know, we want to give sort of a personal experience in terms of answering those questions. Um, and, because it's also helpful for us because we can understand more about what our customer needs and what they're looking for. So there's a good give and take both ways, but it is, um, it's, it's a lot to field those every day. Yeah. I constantly get asked where the umbrella's from and I tell them that you guys made it, but 
you don't yeah then you stop but now you have a partnership it looks like with uh with a new brand we do we do and and that that would certainly fall in the category of lessons learned which is you know probably sticking in your lane is the best way to go we you know we dabbled in the world of making umbrellas um and it was this is really tough um because there's just not a lot of factories out there uh that can make a good quality umbrella for you know an accessible price there's sort of artisanal you know very heritage uh, you know people who do it more small batch um and then there's people who do you know mass and those are sort of like promo giveaway you know type umbrellas that they're making for you know cents on the dollar kind of thing and so we really struggled to find somebody that could you know deliver on sort of a 35 45 dollar umbrella and we felt like we were kind of there but at the end of the day the quality just it just wasn't um you know it wasn't uh, aligned with the quality in our bags and we felt like we were under delivering on the customer experience with with the umbrella um and so you know we decided that wasn't something we should do anymore um but that said we you know and opened opened the door to work with fox umbrellas who's you know they've been doing it for 180 years they're just amazing quality they know what they're doing they're super easy to work with and um the product is you know just yeah night and day difference between what we were we were producing you know they, they really know what they're doing yeah, I remember when I was watching a Doug DeMiro video. He does car reviews, and he was reviewing a Rolls Royce. And there's a Rolls like an umbrella that comes out of the door. And I was like, I'm gonna buy one of those umbrellas. And they sell them on eBay for five hundred dollars. And I was like, I'm not gonna buy one of those umbrellas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's umbrellas are tough. It's 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 very like it's two ends of the spectrum. Very expensive or very cheap. There's not a lot in between. I know. That's definitely why you're, you know, you're definitely threaded that, but it's cool to see the, the new partnership because the other one I looked at was like Kent Wang. And so maybe I need to do an umbrella video next. That sounds like a, I've had a couple of requests for it. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, they, they, well, they produce for Kent Wang and they produce for a lot of people. Um, mm. they, they're an OEM. Okay. I'm going to, maybe I'll have some questions for you later, but uh, <laughs> so there's a segment we do on the show where it's just rapid fire questions. So quick one or two word answers that you're totally unprepared for. Are you ready? I'm totally unprepared. So I guess I'm ready. Yeah. All right. Oxfords or Brogues? Oof. Uh, Oxfords. Morning shower or evening shower? Uh, uh, morning shower. Cardio or lifting? Cardio. Was the last book you read? Ooh, um, the the Patagonia founder's um, uh, sort of autobiography about how he started Patagonia, oh, which wow. I highly recommend. Yeah, it's great. Okay, I'm gonna put that on my list. I heard I listened to an interview with him not too long ago, and I was really I was really into it. Um, chinos, jeans, or trousers? Uh, chinos, chinos lately. Yeah. Your favorite Bond actor? Uh, Connery. Loafers or sneakers? Um, sneakers. If you're wearing a suit, navy or charcoal? Charcoal. And if you're getting in the shower, you want to pump yourself up, what song are you listening to? Ah. Uh, ooh. Like for real or like... Oh, yeah, for real. What I, what I, like what I would tell people. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know, I, yeah, I, I think maybe some of Kygo's, Kygo's stuff, you know? It's got okay. some good energy. Yeah. People have said Taylor Swift. It's okay. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> you were worried I was going to say uh, Justin Bieber or something. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it could be anything. Wait, well, hey, you survived it rapid could. fire. Very nice. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Glad I did. So you got things – seems like things are rolling. You got some questions you got to handle there. But like what are you most excited about in the next six or 12 months in the business? Um, hands down, uh, we're opening a store. Um, uh-huh. So we, we are opening on Crosby Street in – in New York. And, um, yeah, I mean, we're just doing the renovations now and getting it all sorted. Um, but it should be open, just sort of a soft launch, get the doors open in, in July and then a full, full launch in, in the fall. Um, so yeah, that's going to be, you know, a big step for us, a big milestone. And we've got some really good brands that we're partnering with that are coming in. Um, and, it just is, you know, it's exciting for us to sort of bring it to life in a physical space. So um, I'm super pumped about that. Down in the Soho retail playground. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a bit, I'm not going to lie, it's a bit intimidating. You know, it's, you're kind of in there, it's the big leagues. Um, but we're, we're, you know, we're going to dive in. We're going to do it. Nice. That's great. Congratulations. So people want to keep an eye out for that uh, in the next few months here. Well, Matthew, thank you for coming on. Thank you for telling your story. Very cool to, to learn more about that. And you know, people can check out the website if you want to see more about the bags. I did a video uh, a few weeks ago, so you can see that as well. And highly recommended from me. And we will catch up with you uh, in the future, maybe after the store. Yeah, I hope to see you guys there. And thank you for having me today. It's been great. Thank you for listening to the Buttoned Up Podcast, a collaboration between John Shanahan of The Cavalier and Brock McGough of Modest Man. And we will see you next week.